Section 11 of The Magic Skin by Honoré Balzac Translated by Ellen Marriage This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Section 11 Who has not, at some time or other in his life, watched the comings and goings of an ant, slipped straws into a yellow slug's one breathing hole, studied the vagaries of a slender dragonfly pondered admiringly over the countless veins in an oak leaf that bring the colours of a rose window in some gothic cathedral into contrast with the reddish background who has not looked long in delight on the effects of sun and rain on a roof of brown tiles at the dewdrops or at the variously shaped petals of the flower-cups who has not sunk into these idle absorbing meditations on things without that have no conscious end yet lead to some definite thought at last who in short has not led a lazy life the life of childhood the life of the savage without his labour this life without a care or a wish raphael led for some days space he felt a distinct improvement in his condition a wonderful sense of ease that quieted his apprehensions and soothed his sufferings he would climb the crags and then find a seat high up on some peak whence he could see a vast expanse of distant country at a glance and he would spend whole days in this way like a plant in the sun or a hare in its form and at last growing familiar with the appearances of plant life about him and of the changes in the sky he minutely noted the progress of everything working around him in the water on the earth or in the air he tried to share the secret impulses of nature sought by passive obedience to become a part of it and to lie within the conservative and despotic jurisdiction that regulates instinctive existence he no longer wished to steer his own course just as criminals in olden times were safe from the pursuit of justice if they took refuge under the shadow of the altar so raphael made an effort to slip into the sanctuary of life he succeeded in becoming an integral part of the great and mighty fruit-producing organization he had adapted himself to the inclemency of the air and had dwelt in every cave among the rocks he had learned the ways and habits of growth of every plant had studied the laws of the watercourses and their beds and had come to know the animals he was at last so perfectly at one with this teeming earth that he had in some sort discerned its mysteries and caught the spirit of it the infinitely varied forms of every natural kingdom were to his thinking only developments of one and the same substance different combinations brought about by the same impulse endless emanations from a measureless being which was acting thinking moving and growing and in harmony with which he longed to grow to move to think and act he had fancifully blended his life with the life of the crags he had deliberately planted himself there during the earliest days of his sojourn in these pleasant surroundings valentin tasted all the pleasures of childhood again thanks to the strange hallucination of apparent convalescence which is not unlike the pauses of delirium that nature mercifully provides for those in pain 
he went about making trifling discoveries setting to work on endless things and finishing none of them the evening's plans were quite forgotten in the morning he had no cares he was happy he thought himself saved one morning he had lain in bed till noon deep in the dreams between sleep and waking which give to realities a fantastic appearance and make the wildest fancies seem solid facts while he was still uncertain that he was not dreaming yet he suddenly heard his hostess giving a report of his health to jonathan for the first time jonathan came to inquire after him daily and the overnate thinking no doubt that valentin was still asleep had not lowered the tones of a voice developed in mountain air no better and no worse she said he coughed all last night again fit to kill himself poor gentleman he coughs and spits till it is piteous my husband and i often wonder to each other where he gets the strength from to cough like that it goes to your heart what a cursed complaint it is he has no strength at all i am always afraid i shall find him dead in his bed some morning he is every bit as pale as a waxen christ dame i watch him while he dresses his poor body is as thin as a nail and he does not feel well now but no matter it's all the same he wears himself out with running about as if he had health and to spare all the same he is very brave for he never complains at all but really he would be better under the earth than on it for he is enduring the agonies of christ i don't wish that myself sir it is quite in our interests but even if he didn't pay us what he does i should be just as fond of him it is not our own interest that is our motive ah mon dieu she continued parisiens are the people for these dogs diseases where did he catch it now poor young man he is so sure that he is going to get well that fever just gnaws him you know it eats him away it will be the death of him he has no notion whatever of that he does not know it sir he sees nothing you mustn't cry about him monsieur jonathan you must remember that he will be happy and will not suffer any more you ought to make a new vein for him i have seen wonderful cures come of the nine days prayer and i would gladly pay for a wax taper to save such a gentle creature so good he is a paschal lamb as raphael's voice had grown too weak to allow him to make himself heard he was compelled to listen to this horrible loquacity his irritation however drove him out of bed at length and he appeared upon the threshold old scoundrel he shouted to jonathan do you mean to put me to death the peasant woman took him for a ghost and fled i forbid you to have any anxiety whatever about my health raphael went on yes my lord marquis said the old servant wiping away his tears and for the future you had very much better not come here without my orders jonathan meant to be obedient but in the look full of pity and devotion that he gave the marquis before he went raphael read his own death warrant 
utterly disheartened brought all at once to a sense of his real position valentin sat down on the threshold locked his arms across his chest and bowed his head jonathan turned to his master in alarm with my lord go away go away cried the invalid in the hours of the next morning raphael climbed the crags and sat down in a mossy cleft in the rocks whence he could see the narrow path along which the water for the dwelling was carried at the base of the hill he saw jonathan in conversation with the overnate some malicious power interpreted for him all the woman's forebodings and filled the breeze and the silence with her ominous words thrilled with horror he took refuge among the highest summits of the mountains and stayed there till the evening but yet he could not drive away the gloomy presentiments awakened within him in such an unfortunate manner by a cruel solicitude on his account the auvergne peasant herself suddenly appeared before him like a shadow in the dusk a perverse freak of the poet within him found a vague resemblance between her black and white striped petticoat and the bony frame of a spectre the damp is falling now sir said she if you stop out here you will go off just like rotten fruit you must come in it isn't healthy to breathe the damp and you have taken nothing since the morning besides tonnerre did you old witch he cried let me live after my own fashion i tell you or i shall be off altogether it is quite bad enough to dig my grave every morning you might let it alone in the evenings at least your grave sir i dig your grave and where may your grave be i want to see you as old as father there and not in your grave by any manner of means the gravel that comes soon enough for us all in the grave that is enough said raphael take my arm sir no the feeling of pity in others is very difficult for a man to bear and it is the hardest of all when the pity is deserved hatred is a tonic it quickens life and stimulates revenge but pity is death to us it makes our weakness weaker still it is as if distress simpered ingratiatingly at us contempt lurks in the tenderness or tenderness is an affront in the centenarian raphael saw triumphant pity a wondering pity in the child's eyes an officious pity in the woman and in her husband a pity that had an interested motive but no matter how the sentiment declared itself death was always its import a poet makes a poem of everything it is tragical or joyful as things happen to strike his imagination his lofty soul rejects all half-tones he always prefers vivid and decided colors in raphael's soul his compassion produced a terrible poem of mourning and melancholy when he had wished to live in close contact with nature he had of course forgotten how freely natural emotions are expressed he would think himself quite alone under a tree whilst he struggled with an obstinate coughing fit a terrible combat from which he never issued victorious without utter exhaustion afterwards and then he would meet the clear bright eyes of the little boy who occupied the post of sentinel like a savage in a bent of grass the eyes scrutinized him 
with a childish wonder in which there was as much amusement as pleasure and an indescribable mixture of indifference and interest the awful brother you must die of the trappists seemed constantly legible in the eyes of the peasants with whom raphael was living he scarcely knew which he dreaded most their unfettered talk or their silence their presence became torture one morning he saw two men in black prowling about in his neighborhood who furtively studied him and took observations they made as though they had come there for a stroll and asked him a few indifferent questions to which he returned short answers he recognized them both one was the cure and the other the doctor of the springs jonathan had no doubt sent them or the people in the house had called them in or the scent of an approaching death had drawn them thither he beheld his own funeral heard the chanting of the priests and counted the tall wax candles and all that lovely fertile nature around him in whose lap he had thought to find life once more he saw no longer save through a veil of crape everything that but lately had spoken of length of days to him now prophesied a speedy end he set out the next day for paris not before he had been inundated with cordial wishes which the people of the house uttered in melancholy and wistful tones for his benefit he travelled through the night and awoke as they passed through one of the pleasant valleys of the bourbonnais view after view swam before his gaze and passed rapidly away like the vague pictures of a dream cruel nature spread herself out before his eyes with tantalizing grace sometimes the allier a liquid shining ribbon meandered through the distant fertile landscape then followed the steeples of hamlets hiding modestly in the depths of a ravine with its yellow cliffs sometimes after the monotony of vineyards the water-mills of a little valley would be suddenly seen and everywhere there was pleasant chateaux hillside villages roads with their fringes of queenly poplars and the loire itself at last with its wide sheets of water sparkling like diamonds amid its golden sands attractions everywhere without end this nature all astir with life and gladness like that of childhood scarcely able to contain the impulses and sap of june possessed a fatal attraction for the darkened gaze of the invalid he drew the blinds of his carriage windows and betook himself again to slumber toward evening after they had passed cesnay he was awakened by lively music and found himself confronted with a village fair the horses were changed near the market-place whilst the postillons were engaged in making the transfer he saw the people dancing merrily pretty and attractive girls with flowers about them excited youths and finally the jolly wine-flushed countenance of old peasants children prattled old women laughed and chatted everything spoke in one voice and there was a holiday gaiety about everything down to their clothing and the tables that were set out 
a cheerful expression pervaded the square and the church the roofs and windows even the very doorways of the village seemed likewise to be in holiday trim raphael could not repress an angry exclamation nor yet a wish to silence the fiddles annihilate the stir and bustle stop the clamour and disperse the ill-timed festival like a dying man he felt unable to endure the slightest sound and he entered his carriage much annoyed when he looked out upon the square from the window he saw that all the happiness was scared away the peasant women were in flight and the benches were deserted only a blind musician on the scaffolding of the orchestra went on playing a shrill tune on his clarionet that piping of his without dancers to it and the solitary old man himself in the shadow of the lime-tree with his curmudgeon's face scanty hair and ragged clothing was like a fantastic picture of raphael's wish the heavy rain was pouring in torrents it was one of those thunderstorms that june brings about so rapidly to cease as suddenly the thing was so natural that when raphael had looked out and seen some pale clouds driven over by a gust of wind he did not think of looking at the piece of skin he lay back again in the corner of his carriage which was very soon rolling upon its way the next day found him back in his home again in his own room beside his own fireside he had had a very large fire lighted he felt cold jonathan brought him some letters they were all from pauline he opened the first one without any eagerness and unfolded it as if it had been a grey paper form of application for taxes made by the revenue collector he read the first sentence gone this really is a flight my raphael how is it no one can tell me where you are and who should know if not i he did not wish to learn any more he calmly took all the letters and threw them in the fire watching with dull and lifeless eyes the perfumed paper as it was twisted shrivelled bent and devoured by the capricious flames fragments that fell among the ashes allowed him to see the beginning of a sentence or a half-burnt thought or word he took a pleasure in deciphering them a sort of mechanical amusement sitting at your door expected caprice i obey rivals i never thy pauline love no more of pauline if you had wished to leave me forever you would not have deserted me love eternal to die the words caused him a sort of remorse he seized the tongs and rescued a last fragment of the letter from the flames i have murmured so pauline wrote but i have never complained my raphael if you have left me so far behind you it was doubtless because you wished to hide some heavy grief from me perhaps you will kill me one of these days but you are too good to torture me so do not go away from me like this there i can bear the worst of the torment if only i am at your side any grief that you could cause me would not be grief there is far more love in my heart for you than i have ever yet shown you i can endure anything except 
this weeping far away from you this ignorance of your raphael laid the scorched scrap on the mantelpiece then all at once he flung it into the fire a bit of paper was too clearly a symbol of his own love and luckless existence go and find monsieur bianchon he told jonathan horace came and found raphael in bed can you prescribe a draught for me some mild opiate that will always keep me in a somnolent condition a draught that will not be injurious although taken constantly nothing is easier the young doctor replied but you will have to keep on your feet for a few hours daily at any rate so as to take your food a few hours raphael broke in no no i only wish to be out of bed for an hour at most what is your object inquired bianchon to sleep for so one keeps alive at any rate the patient answered let no one come in not even mademoiselle pauline de wishtau he added to jonathan as the doctor was writing out his prescription well monsieur horace is there any hope the old servant asked going as far as the flight of steps before the door with the young doctor he may live for some time yet or he may die to-night the chances of life and death are evenly balanced in his case i can't understand it at all said the doctor with a doubtful gesture his mind ought to be diverted diverted ah sir you don't know him he killed a man the other day without a word nothing can divert him for some days raphael lay plunged in the torpor of his artificial sleep thanks to the material power that opium exerts over the immaterial part of us this man with the powerful and active imagination reduced himself to the level of those sluggish forms of animal life that lurk in the depths of forests and take the form of vegetable refuse never stirring from their place to catch their easy prey he had darkened the very sun in heaven the daylight never entered his room about eight o'clock in the evening he would leave his bed with no very clear consciousness of his own existence he would satisfy the claims of hunger and return to bed immediately one dull blighted hour after another only brought confused pictures and appearances before him and lights and shadows against a background of darkness he lay buried in deep silence movement and intelligence were completely annihilated for him he woke later than usual one evening and found that his dinner was not ready he rang for jonathan you can go he said i have made you rich you shall be happy in your old age but i will not let you muddle away my life any longer miserable wretch i am hungry where is my dinner how is it answer me a satisfied smile stole over jonathan's face he took a candle that lit up the great dark rooms of the mansion with its flickering light brought his master who had again become an automaton into a great gallery and flung a door suddenly open raphael was all at once dazzled by a flood of light and amazed by an unheard-of scene his chandeliers had been filled with wax lights the rarest flowers from his conservatory were carefully arranged about the room 
the table sparkled with silver gold crystal and porcelain a royal banquet was spread the odours of the tempting dishes tickled the nervous fibres of the palate there sat his friends he saw them among beautiful women in full evening dress with bare necks and shoulders with flowers in their hair fair women of every type with sparkling eyes attractively and fancifully arrayed one had adopted an irish jacket which displayed the alluring outlines of her form one wore the basquina of andalusia with its wanton grace here was a half-clad diane the huntress there the costume of mademoiselle de la valliere amorous and coy and all of them alike were given up to the intoxication of the moment as raphael's death-pale face showed itself in the doorway a sudden outcry broke out as vehement as the blaze of this improvised banquet the voices perfumes and lights the exquisite beauty of the women produced their effect upon his senses and awakened his desires delightful music from unseen players in the next room drowned the excited tumult in a torrent of harmony the whole strange vision was complete raphael felt a caressing pressure on his own hand a woman's white youthful arms were stretched out to grasp him and the hand was aquilina's he knew now that this scene was not a fantastic illusion like the fleeting pictures of his disordered dreams he uttered a dreadful cry slammed the door and dealt his heart-broken old servant a blow in the face monster he cried so you have sworn to kill me and trembling at the risks he had just now run he summoned all his energies reached his room took a powerful sleeping draught and went to bed the devil cried jonathan recovering himself and monsieur bianchon most certainly told me to divert his mind it was close upon midnight by that time owing to one of those physical caprices that are the marvel and the despair of science raphael in his slumber became radiant with beauty a bright colour glowed on his pale cheeks there was an almost girlish grace about the forehead in which his genius was revealed life seemed to bloom on the quiet face that lay there at rest his sleep was sound a light even breath was drawn in between red lips he was smiling he had passed no doubt through the gate of dreams into a noble life was he a centenarian now did his grandchildren come to wish him length of days or on a rustic bench set in the sun and under the trees was he scanning like the prophet on the mountain heights a promised land a far-off time of blessing here you are the words uttered in silver tones dispelled the shadowy faces of his dreams he saw pauline in the lamplight sitting upon the bed pauline grown fairy yet through sorrow and separation raphael remained bewildered by the sight of her face white as the petals of some water-flower and the shadow of her long dark hair about it seemed to make it whiter still her tears had left a gleaming trace upon her cheeks and hung there yet ready to fall at the least movement 
she looked like an angel fallen from the skies or a spirit that a breath might waft away as she sat there all in white with her head bowed scarcely creasing the quilt beneath her weight ah i have forgotten everything she cried as raphael opened his eyes i have no voice left except to tell you i am yours there is nothing in my heart but love angel of my life you have never been so beautiful before your eyes are blazing but come i can guess it all you have been in search of health without me you were afraid of me well go go leave me raphael muttered at last why do you not go if you stay i shall die do you want to see me die die she echoed can you die without me die but you are so young and i love you die she asked in a deep hollow voice she seized his hands with a frenzied movement cold she wailed is it all an illusion raphael drew the little bit of skin from under his pillow it was as tiny and as fragile as a periwinkle petal he showed it to her pauline he said fair image of my fair life let us say good-bye good-bye she echoed looking surprised yes this is a talisman that grants me all my wishes and that represents my span of life see here this is all that remains of it if you look at me any longer i shall die the young girl thought that valentin had grown light-headed she took the talisman and went to fetch the lamp by its tremulous light which she shed over raphael and the talisman she scanned her lover's face and the last morsel of the magic skin as pauline stood there in all the beauty of love and terror raphael was no longer able to control his thoughts memories of tender scenes and of passionate and fevered joys overwhelmed the soul that had so long lain dormant within him and kindled a fire not quite extinct pauline pauline come to me a dreadful cry came from the girl's throat her eyes dilated with horror her eyebrows were distorted and drawn apart by an unspeakable anguish she read in raphael's eyes the vehement desire in which she had once exulted but as it grew she felt a light movement in her hand and the skin contracted she did not stop to think she fled into the next room and locked the door pauline pauline cried the dying man as he rushed after her i love you i adore you i want you pauline i wish to die in your arms with unnatural strength the last effort of ebbing life he broke down the door and saw his mistress writhing upon a sofa pauline had vainly tried to pierce her heart and now thought to find a rapid death by strangling herself with her shawl if i die he will live she said trying to tighten the knot that she had made in her struggle with death her hair hung loose her shoulders were bare her clothing was disordered her eyes were bathed in tears her face was flushed and drawn with the horror of despair yet 
as her exceeding beauty met raphael's intoxicated eyes his delirium grew he sprang towards her like a bird of prey tore away the shawl and tried to take her in his arms the dying man sought for words to express the wish that was consuming his strength but no words would come except the choking death rattle in his chest each breath he drew sounded hollower than the last and seemed to come from his very entrails at the last moment he no longer able to utter a sound he set his teeth in pauline's breast jonathan appeared terrified by the cries he had heard and tried to tear away the dead body from the grasp of the girl who was crouching with it in a corner what do you want she asked he is mine i have killed him did i not foresee how it would be epilogue and what became of pauline pauline ah do you sometimes spend a pleasant winter evening by your own fireside and give yourself up luxuriously to memories of love or youth while you watch the glow of the fire where the logs of oak are burning here the fire outlines a sort of chessboard in red squares there it has a sheen like velvet little blue flames start up and flicker and play about in the glowing depths of the brazier a mysterious artist comes and adapts the flame to his own ends by a secret of his own he draws a visionary face in the midst of those flaming violet and crimson hues a face with unimaginable delicate outlines a fleeting apparition which no chance will ever bring back again it is a woman's face her hair is blown back by the wind her features speak of a rapture in delight she breathes fire in the midst of the fire she smiles she dies you will never see her any more farewell flower of the flame farewell essence incomplete and unforeseen come too early or too late to make the spark of some glorious diamond but pauline you do not see her then i will begin again make way make way she comes she is here the queen of illusions a woman fleeting as a kiss a woman bright as lightning issuing in a blaze like lightning from the sky a being uncreated of spirit and love alone she has wrapped her shadowy form in flame or perhaps the flame betokens that she exists but for a moment the pure outlines of her shape tell you that she comes from heaven is she not radiant as an angel can you not hear the beating of her wings in space she sinks down beside you more lightly than a bird and you are entranced by her awful eyes there is a magical power in her light breathing that draws your lips to hers she flies and you follow you feel the earth beneath you no longer if you could but once touch that form of snow with your eager deluded hands once twine the golden hair round your fingers place one kiss on those shining eyes there is an intoxicating vapour around and the spell of a siren music is upon you every nerve in you is quivering you are filled with pain and longing o oh, joy for which there is no name you have touched the woman's lips and you are awakened at once by a horrible pang 
oh ah yes you have struck your head against the corner of the bedpost you have been clasping its brown mahogany sides and chilly gilt ornaments embracing a piece of metal a brazen cupid but how about pauline sir what again listen one lovely morning at tours a young man who held the hand of a pretty woman in his went on board the ville d'angers thus united they both looked and wondered long at a white form that rose elusively out of the mists above the broad waters of the loire like some child of the sun and the river or some freak of air and cloud this translucent form was a sylph or a naiad by turns she hovered in the air like a word that haunts the memory which seeks in vain to grasp it she glided among the islands she nodded her head here and there among the tall poplar trees then she grew to a giant's height she shook out the countless folds of her drapery to the light she shot light from the aureole that the sun had litten about her face she hovered above the slopes of the hills and their little hamlets and seemed to bar the passage of the boat before the chateau d'use you might have thought that la dame des belles cousins sought to protect her country from modern intrusion well well i understand so it went with pauline but how about feodora oh feodora you are sure to meet with her she was at the bouffons last night and she will go to the opera this evening and if you like to take it so she is society end of section eleven recording by james carson End of Magic Skin by Honoré Balzac Translated by Ellen Marriage